Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 9th, the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from a big book, and we are on page 53, and we'll be starting with the first paragraph, reading through the second paragraph. Today's readers are Terry A.H., Stephanie L., and Kathy Jo P. The share ID for Thursday, June 8th, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10023. For 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's for today, June 9th, 10025. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose... OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Andy F. to read the 12 steps. Okay, good morning. This is Andy F., anorexic bulimic compulsive eater in Portland, Oregon. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me be of service. Thank you, Andy F. I will now ask Carrie M. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, my name is Carrie M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. The 12 traditions are common, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a... Uh, we lost you. Carrie M. Um, Julie, I can do that if you don't mind. Oh, thank you. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever 
non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done letting us know, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 53, starting with the first paragraph, Logic is Great Stuff. We will be reading through the second paragraph that ends with, What was our choice to be? Comments will be on both. I will now ask Terry A.H. to begin reading. Thanks, Julie. My name is Terry A.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And good morning, Vision for you. Logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It is not by chance we are given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses, and to draw conclusions. That is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically incline would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself a reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, we are pained to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe. Why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands and dealt and said, we don't know. When we became alcoholics crushed by self-imposed crises, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? And I'd like to just kind of focus on um, the second paragraph when it says when we became Alcoholics crushed by self-imposed crises, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face that, the proposition that God was everything or nothing. And, um, you know, so this, we're in step two, and, you know, I've seen, you know, this crushed by self-imposed in step one. I've seen my powerlessness. I've seen my truth. You know, I have the allergy of the the body, and, um, you know, I have a body that... (laughs) body that can't process my alcoholic foods in the mind that tells me I can. And, um, you know, this is really this piece right here is the second half of step two. And um, the first half is on page 47 where I ask, um, do I now believe or even am I willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? And, you know, we get to that point where we say yes, and then we get to this point and we're like, uh, I don't know. And, um I've just seen, you know, step one really, I get to see my truth in step one, which drives me in further into step two, that I need something other than me. And the only logical choice is to try something different and something that, you know, many other people say that works for them. And um, I know for myself that, you know, my last bottom was a 40-year binge, and I'm so grateful that I made it back um, because that 40-year binge brought me so much pain and suffering that, um, I just knew, like, I was willing to do anything. And, you know, where it says this is a, what is our choice? And this is the last piece, um, you know, in step two that we get to make the choice. And from here on, you know, in step three, we make the decision. So I'm grateful that, um, you know, they let me decide whether God is everything or is he nothing. And, um, you know, today for me, um, God is everything. And 
I work my program like I I did when I first came in. Like my life depends on it, and I'm so grateful to be alive and um, absent and recovered. Thanks for letting me share. No pass. Thank you, Terry A8. And who would like to share on the two paragraphs that were read? Sylvia. Sylvia. Charles H. Charles H. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Anyone else? All right, well, let's start with Suji. 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 Okay, let's start with Sylvia F. and then Charles H. Good morning, visionaries, and good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. This is Sylvia F. in California. And this paragraph was so huge in my recovery of getting to recovered. I had definitely made the decision um, to have faith. And when I, when I decided to have faith and I didn't know what it was, We lost you, Sylvia. Do you, yeah, do you, okay. Here I was talking away. Okay, so I'm going to restart my um, my uh, timer. So this is still Sylvia F. in in uh, California. This paragraph was so important to my recovery because I had I had gotten to the ninety percent on faith and um uh what i what i had gotten to is that i could have faith that there was a power greater than myself and it was not me even if it was nature or if if it was um uh the traffic light or someone else's driving so you know i went through a whole list of all the things that i wasn't in control of and that there was power greater than myself and that was very helpful when i got to this what happened is um the first time it happened, of many times since, is that I was really, really, really worried about um, my granddaughter, and I um, had lost access to her, and um, and I, I was just frantic. I was frantic because I think, you know, because I was, you know, the person who was going to protect her, and someone in in uh, someone in AA sat me down and made me read this paragraph. You know, uh, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he's nothing. God is either, either is or isn't. And, and what, so here's, here's the decision point is that I can't believe, in, I can't have faith and believe in a power greater than myself, 90%, 95%, 97%. It has got to be all or nothing or I don't get the promises and I don't get the recovery. So when I can remember this, and it doesn't mean that I remember it automatically, I have to work on it. When I get up into fear and anxiety, and it's, it's all, almost always for me about my kids, my grandkids, or my own health, that's, that's the biggest trigger. If I do the work, the step work, and I can get back to either I believe or I don't believe, um, that's when I can feel the relief because I'm not in charge, even if I want to be, even if I think I'm the only thing that can protect my children from the world. And they're grown, they're adults, or my grown children. Someone said to me that um, uh, uh, God has no grandchildren. God only has children. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Either I'm in for the count or it doesn't work at all. That was really, uh, it, was a, it was a hard point but a great place to be. And it's where I come back to when, uh, when I feel my worst. And just to tie up quickly, why do I want to do that? Because before, if I, if I couldn't give this up, my next thought or action was food. So while we're talking about all this spiritual part, why are we talking about it? Because we're addicts and we will go, I will go, and I'll think a potato chip or something else is the answer because I can't stand feeling my feelings and being in my body. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia F. Charles H., followed by Kathleen O. Thank you, Julia, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Yeah, I like this. 
I, I like this whole chapter, and I love to dissect it um, internally. Um, because, and, and I got to say this for me. Um, you know, if I'm trying to fight this disease by myself, I'm stupid. Not with all this help here. Not with this book telling me all over the place his defense must come from a higher power. Um, without help, it's too much for us. I mean, was I just reading this stuff or was I internalizing it? I mean, as I'm going through the thing, as others have said on the first hour, the, the big book is tightening the screws right now. Like, it was a lot of, you know, you know, we heard about lack of power and we heard about all that stuff, but now it's down, the tire is to the metal right now. Either God is everything or he's nothing. And I love what the in the first I love the first edition as well where it says if you're not convinced by now and it says this in how it works, I think fifty nine or sixty, you might as well go ahead and throw the book away because I ain't just coming up in this meeting not doing no work and Larry always says, We ain't gonna get uh sprinkled with pixie dust and if you just sit on the train tracks you're gonna get hit. Like <laughs> and uh waiting for willingness, you could be waiting till you're dead. You know, I can't wait. Like I need I need this program internally every single day. I have access to everybody has access. This is an open book text, and and the text is telling me logic. I don't understand God, and I don't have to understand the twelve steps. I just have to be out of ideas, and I'm out. Charles is out of ideas, and you know I I I, I know why you guys are happy and ecstatic because I'm happy and ecstatic now because I got something greater than me that's fighting all my battles, and it has nothing to do with alcohol. It has to do with everything else, health, money, insecurity, de- depression, relationships with other people. You know, I can't do it, and that's why I'm here doing it. And it, does, it has nothing to do with logic, and it has. It, and I like what it says, um, why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, I don't know. But I, but I know now. <laughs> I know that I can't do this thing by myself. I can't fight this battle. I got a big brother that's willing to fight the bully, which is me. <laughs> a big brother could could and would if he was sought, and I'm seeking him every day like my face is on fire. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Kathleen O. followed by Roz G. Good morning, Julie. This is and everyone on the line. Thanks for the shares. This is Kathleen, recovered in California. And... Logic is great stuff. You know, logic um, works for everything and me, for me except when it comes to my addiction. Um, you know, here's my logic with my addiction. Here's some logic for you. I think it was back in the 80s maybe. Um, and a lot of people were doing this. Um, you go to the doctor, you pay money, and, and the doctor injects uh, urine from pregnant women into you. And that was supposed to help me stop eating. And I did it. Um, That's not even, you know, people who don't have addictions probably never would have thought that was very logical. But for me, it was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Um, And of course, it didn't work. And a lot of people tried it. And I don't know anyone that it worked for. So coming into 12-step recovery, you know, people are talking about God and how God did for them what they couldn't do for themselves. And so I had to kind of throw away logic and and really I had to have faith. Um, you know, faith is is that of which there is no evidence. And I have faith that God will guide me in everything. And I don't have evidence of that except my own experience in that it's the first thing that's ever worked for me. And, you know, I think of, um, I remember when I was a little girl and um, I, I, my dad was standing in a pool and he said, and he put his arms up and he said, just jump, Kathleen, I'll catch you. And and I'd never been in a pool before. I was a little kid, but I have this memory of this. And I just had this blind faith in my dad that he was going to catch me. And so I, I jumped, and, and it was great. And did I have any proof he was going to catch me? No, but I had faith that he was going to catch me. So it really, for me, is about faith. It's like I just need to have faith that God is going to um, guide me in everything in life and and, you know, it's been working. All I can say is that it, it has been working. So when God is everything or God is nothing, um, 
you know, I had, I got to make a choice and we all get to make a choice. And there's so many people on this line where it works. So what the heck, try it. You might be pleasantly surprised. And thank you with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. And for those who might have just joined us, we are reading from the big book and we are on page 53 with the first two paragraphs. Roz G, you're next, followed by Sue G. Good morning, this is Roz G, and I'm walking outdoors, so you may hear some dogs barking and nature out here. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, this program, um, well, I'll say it like this, a lot of things in life are, a pl- we could be in a place of limbo, we can go with the flow, we can think about things and maybe not make a decision. We can kind of say, okay, I've done this and I'm not quite sure if this is the door or that's the door. But when it comes to compulsive overeating, there's no choice in a God in believing in God or not. I was confronted with this because of my, my self and prose crisis, of course, was gaining weight over and over and over. And that was, of course, a result of my overeating. And of course, my crisis was gaining weight because I was, I lived in a place of vanity before a program. I just wanted to look good. I came from a family where, you know, we had to have the right hair, the right skin tone, the right uh, clothes, and the right mannerisms. Uh, I, I grew up in a church where I couldn't turn my face. Uh, I couldn't turn my face away from the crucifix. I, I had to sit straight ahead. So I, it, you know, looks and 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 image were ingrained to the very core of the marrow of my bones. So for me to uh, come out of that took a lot of work. So of course now my crisis, my crisis is later on became relationship problems, not getting along with my family, isolating myself, trying to go back, but then something would happen. I would get pissed off and isolate myself again. So I'm confronted here. Either God is or he isn't. And although I was a religious person, I did not have a relationship with God nor a spiritual life. So today, I'm recovered from December. I have good relationships with everybody. I have one relationship that my daughter is estranged from me, but that is her choice. I've made, uh, my, made my amends. And now my choice is to believe that God is, that my purpose is to be of service to him and, and the people about me in a maximum way, and to remember that I don't have a choice here. There's other things I have a choice about, but not when it comes to compulsive overeating and abstaining from my alcoholic foods one day at a time. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Roz G. Sue G, you're next. Good morning. This is Sue G from Michigan, um, recovered by the grace of God. I thought the first time I read this, that I had that God was everything. Uh, I grew up as a child, always believing in a very gentle, loving God, and um, and it continued all through. I went through a little period of rebellion, but um, it continued all through, all the way into OA. But I realized um, by working those steps that God wasn't everything. Food was, uh, food came in there. God was something. God was partial. But God did not, was not, you know, God was not everything when it came to food. And I really had to change my thinking and really had to do some praying about where did God fit in my life? Was it knowledge? You know, was it, did I study and everything else because I wanted more knowledge and I like to know all the stuff? the history, but, and I found that that was true, that I wasn't really letting God use me. I was finding out more and more about God and the history of, of uh, 
my religion and other religions and and what a difference when God really became everything. Now I have to admit that there are there are days when God doesn't appear to be everything. Because um, there are days when I I don't work all my steps. I don't. Um, sometimes I just feel so down and depressed that I that I don't um, I don't make my outreach calls. I maybe might make make one or two, and there's no answer, and I give up. Um, but God is everything now, and He's more than just someone to go to for help, help, help. Um, he's someone to go to to thank and um, to ask for wisdom and to listen for an answer. With that, I pass. Thank you. Pass. Um, and for those who just joined us, we thank you, Suji. We are on page 53, the first two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Reggie O. Reggie O. Bonnie T. in Chicago. Can you say your name one more time? Sure. Bonnie T. in oh, Chicago. Bonnie. Got it. Yes. Bonnie T. Thank you. Anyone Karen else? Karen T. Karen T. Stephanie L. Stephanie L. Sherry KB. Sherry KB. All right, let's start with this group. Reggie O. followed by Bonnie T. Hi, Julie, can you hear me? I can. Oh, great. Okay, thanks. Uh, Good morning, everybody. This is Reggie O. Very gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And, um, oh, it it was just, I I was reading and studying this a little bit before the call this morning. And it was just really beautiful that the paragraph about, you know, we had to fearlessly face the proposition. Fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? That's, that's always been one of my favorite paragraphs in the big book, and uh, because it, 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 I don't know. There was something about it that just uh, centered me, or one pointed me, or something. It's like, okay, you know, I get to have a choice. Reading it again today, it was really, really phenomenal. And uh, I look at that. You know, the first paragraph it says, "Our present, <clears throat> we think, we think our present faith is reasonable. We think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe." And you know, they, we are talking about the recovered people who were a part of writing this book in Bill W. So they actually have had the experience and they see that their present faith is reasonable because uh, they they have plenty of evidence. They're, they're, you know, all through this chapter, it's like, you know, talking about the, you know, the power of the belief, the presence of God is the most important things in our lives. They've stopped drinking. Their lives have taken off and, you know, every direction. So there's, there's plenty of evidence there. And, you know, when I think about my Former thinking being soft and mushy and throwing up my hands and doubts. I, I, I was when I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking, you know, like my my life was on when I had the lack of faith, you know, or the unfaith. Not that I didn't believe in a God, but it wasn't a God I was going to turn my life over to. I, I often felt like I, I used to think about myself as a wind up toy or dancing as fast as I can, and but I wasn't getting anywhere. You know, I just kept banging into walls and. Uh, So, and I do have plenty of evidence that God has been working in my life all along, but I was unable on my own to take advantage of the opportunities that have been given me in my life, you know, or to move forward with them. But to look at this again and to think and and truly believe, which I do, bringing, just bringing my attention back to this, that God is everything or God is nothing, uh, you know, I want to make this a part of my every day to, to make it a point to remember this. And and I was also realizing that every time that I go to God rather than going to food, uh, that means God is everything because food used to be my solution or my attempted solution to most things. It just really didn't solve anything after, you know, after a few seconds. Uh, but but my, my life really does open up as it is doing now um, continually when God is everything and uh, I just, you know, want to remember on a daily basis to keep going back. Everything. God is either everything or isn't. There's nothing I can't go to 
uh, for a solution with God. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Reggie O. Bonnie T. followed by Karen T. Hi, this is Bonnie T. May I be heard? Yes. Hi. Good morning, and thank you, Julie, for your service. My name is Bonnie T., and I am gratefully gratefully recovered in Chicago. Um, And so what I wanted to just share this morning on these two paragraphs. Um, So logic is great stuff. And that's the way I lived most of my life while compulsively overeating. Um, and logic plus self-sufficiency for me was the ultimate ruin. Um, it is uh, where I just struggled in traditional OA for years because that's where I would come back to um, because I didn't understand that concept of God either is everything or God is nothing. And actually until I came into these rooms, that's when I actually mm-hmm. learned that. Um, and I also learned that that is completely true. So if I go back even into my uh, my past, even into my eating history, it is so evident that God was always there, even though I was looking uh, for food to be the solution. Um, God was always a part of my life. And so I'm so grateful that I can see that today. And so um, just uh, I'm grateful to be here this morning, and thank you all for being here. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Barney T. Karen T., followed by Stephanie L. And just a reminder, there's somebody that's unmuted. If we could all check our phone. Go ahead, Karen. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Hi, everyone. This is Karen T., compulsive reader from Louisiana. Um, I wanted to talk about the crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade. The compulsive eating becomes, it's a self-imposed crisis. The whole world might not be in crisis, but I couldn't stop eating. So it was my own little private crisis. Um, And that was isolating because the rest of the world was going along just fine. And I was in free fall. And um, that was lonely. And... Um, sad. I finally hit bottom after I'd been in OA for eight years. And um, I had always used my logic to say, oh, I must not be as bad as everyone else. I can probably handle eating like a normal person now. And that brought me back to relapse time and time and again. I had four relapses. And, um, but in this last relapse in 1996, I could not stop eating. And I really got that I am powerless over food in a deeper level. And I have some specific memories from that time of being out of control with the food. And those specific memories have really helped me. I want to encourage anyone on the line to come up with some step one stories of specific times when we just wanted to stop and we couldn't. Um, Because if I don't remember that, then my wonderful logic will convince me otherwise. The disease will convince me otherwise. That strange mental blank spot will take place. But um, so we have to have a self-imposed crisis to really take step one. And people say, you hit bottom when you stop digging. And I think that's really true. Um, But I couldn't stop digging until I saw it was a bottom. And the big book talks all over the place about how the original alcoholics had to be down and out and really low. But as the fellowship grew, People could say, oh, I'm on that same path. I'm going to be that bad if I keep going. And so the bottom can be raised. So I just hope that anyone out there can have their bottom raised um, by listening on these meetings and um, have their own little self-imposed crisis where we're identifying with other people. That can be the self-imposed crisis, too. 
Um, and uh, the disease will keep battering us until it gets our attention, until it comes to a point where we cannot postpone or evade it. And so um, when people talk about the gift of desperation, that's it. That's it. Am I powerless? Am I done? Am I ready to be teachable or not? So that's what I wanted to say. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Karen T. Stephanie L., followed by Sherry KB. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Stephanie L., and I'm a a recovered compulsory eater in Southern California. And, you know, like what was already shared, this is one of my favorite parts of the book, Um, you know, we had to, fa- had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? And I've underlined choice because it actually is a choice. I have a choice. I can, I can sit in my self-pity and depression and isolation and continue eating. Um, you know, like it says earlier in the book, you know, we come to the end and we have two choices. You know, I can either keep going to the bitter end or I can accept spiritual help. And, you know, for me, accepting spiritual help is realizing that there is a God and I am not him. You know, Stephanie, as God, really screws everything up. Um, And, you know, I've really been thinking a lot about that lately um, because, you know, no matter how long, you know, I'm in recovery, um, I'm not cured. And those thoughts and behaviors, they pop up every so often, you know, self-will crops back in. And then all of a sudden I'm making decisions um, that I feel justified in. And, um, you know, it's in those moments that, you know, by the grace of God, I'm reminded that God is everything or he is nothing and you are not him. Um, And, you know, I have to go through that process once again of surrendering and you know I, I I like to think that I'm a pretty smart person but I got to tell you <laughs> I I have the problem of um, you know amnesia I forget and then also I have to be drugged through the mud and I have to go through a tremendous amount of pain to surrender and um, I feel like in this in this program you know, in life, it's a series of surrenders. And it's really in my face right now that, you know, my choice is to accept a God in my life who is all powerful, who is doing for me what I can't do for myself. Um, You know, the fact that today I'm living free of the obsession and I'm not, you know, compulsively overeating in a corner with with the, the curtains drawn and not answering the phone and wishing I were dead, um, you know, that in itself is, um, is a miracle. And I know that I'm not doing, I am not making that miracle happen. So, you know, today I choose to believe that God is everything and that on my own, in my self-will, um, in my self-justified anger and resentment and, you know, ego and pride, I am nothing, um, so I'm really grateful um, to be drugged through the mud one more time, um, and I'm sure it will happen again. Um, and I'm grateful for the shares this morning and, um, you know, for all of you, because I'd be on this line by myself if you weren't here. So um, thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Stephanie L. Sherry KB, you're next. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. And uh, grateful for this line and for your service and everybody on the line. So good to be here this morning. Um, yes, either God is everything or God is or He is nothing. Either He is or He isn't. What is our choice to be? Um, my self-imposed crisis got me to this point. And what I realized is that you know I made I made food my higher power, and the the disease became everything. And then I you know, decided to cross the bridge of reasoning into faith, and God became everything, and the disease became nothing. Um, You know, I can either choose to live in the bedevilments, or I can walk hand in hand with the sunlight of the Spirit, and I definitely choose to live in the sunlight of the Spirit. And so I always think of, is it door number one or door number two, because there is no door number three, either death by a fork or, you know, 
live in this, be in recovery, work the steps, have have um, a spiritual program, live in ten and work in eleven and twelve. Um, and you know, those are my choices today. And uh, and I also know that I can make today. I can still make resentments and um, you know fear, doubt, and insecurity my higher power. However, the difference is, is today my higher power is with me. And I can use the tools of this program and the steps. I can do a 10-step turnaround, and I do 11 at night, and I work with others, and that keeps me out of my resentments and my fears because it's not just about the food for me. It's been, you know, it's been that emotional component for me. It's been the 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 bedevilments for me. And um, so when I see the results, when I walk hand in hand with the sunlight of the spirit that I choose to call God, the difference is unbelievable. And um, that's that's what is my choice, and we're all making choices, and I would definitely would rather take, you know, door number one than door number two. And uh, I just, you know, since my higher power has become everything, I, even with all the chaos that still goes on in my life, I know what I can do with it now. I know what tool to use. I know what step to use. I know where to turn and before I was always turning to the food and so either the food is everything or God is everything for me and with that I pass thank you thank you Sherry KB and for those who just joined us we are sharing on the first two paragraphs on page 53 who else would like to share a star one to unmute Jody EQ Jody EQ. Anyone else? Gina R. Gina R. All right, go ahead, Jody EQ. Jody, star one to unmute. Here I am. Sorry about that. This okay. is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California. So grateful to be recovered today and grateful that you're all here with me. Yes, indeed. So what is my choice to be? God either is or he isn't. God is everything or else he is nothing. Earlier in the book, it says sometimes this may be a difficult alternative to faith for some of us whether we uh, choose our disease or we choose God, that can be a very difficult decision for some people. Some people are really not comfortable with the idea of God and they will pursue that decision to the gates of insanity or death. And that's a choice that can be made. And it's okay. That's the choice you want to make. You'll probably get another chance down the road somewhere perhaps in another lifetime. (laughs) I'm grateful that for whatever reason, my mind is open. My My mind is not closed shut to this idea of a higher power. It serves me. It it allows me to recover. So obviously it's, it's in my best interest. Um, It also seems to help other people. I get to lead a happy life, joyous and free. I get to help other people. I don't know why anybody would choose to not believe if it seemed to provide these benefits that it's providing for me and for countless other people. But that is everyone's choice. And all we have to do is put the key in the lock and turn it even just a little bit. Just open our minds a little bit and try it out. See what happens if you turn your will in your life over to the care of this something greater. Why not try it? What do you have to lose? You can ask the stars to open your mind, to help you to be willing to believe if you don't believe. And then it can go from there. 
We don't have to define that higher power. It can be a mystery. That's not a problem at all. Or like Lori C., who has uh, special edition podcasts on our website, you don't have to believe in God at all. For him, God is love, beauty, truth, and justice, I believe is what he says. Fine. Okay. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. And Gina R., you're next. Good morning, Julie. Thank you so much for your service. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Colorado. Um, set my timer. This, uh, that very first word, logic, I think was probably my biggest um, impediment uh, to really understanding and being able to embrace a spiritual life. I can remember um, from being really, really little, being called a know-it-all. And I just happened to know things. I would know, I, would, I was able to easily um, remember facts and things about those facts, and I was able to correlate them and turn it into stuff that really seemed to impress people. And it seemed that I might have been a little bit um, different than the people around me. Um, But I also knew things that were not necessarily facts. I would just have um, intuition about certain things, about people or something. And um, I never really understood what that was until later in life. And now it's, it's becoming even more obvious to me. The problem was I never knew how to manage the gift that my creator gave me with respect to logic. And I overused it and I misused it. And I used it to manipulate people, situations, and things so that I could get my way and be selfish. And it caused me and others a great deal of harm. And it took the food to bring me to my knees uh, about a year ago this time in May. And that was when I got my wake-up call. And I believe that my higher power was able to let me truly understand um, the message that is contained in the full serenity prayer. And I just want to recite that right now if nobody's heard it. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. That is what I am understanding now. When I have hardships, or I feel those character defects coming up and God is using them to advance his purposes so that I can be of service to others, I know then that I am on the pathway to peace. And that's the road that we trudge together. And I'm so grateful for everybody, and I wish you all love and have a great weekend. I pass. Thank you, Gina R. And we have um, time for one two-minute share. Polly Q. Polly Q, go ahead. Hi, um, thank you for your service. I am a newly recovered um, compulsive eater in California. And, uh, you know, God is everything or God isn't. God is everything or God is nothing. And, um, you know, the thing about it is that um, I I was in this program for a long time, um, you know, and, and can still be agnostic. You know, agnostic means that, you know, I'm going to give God a little bit. There's going to be a little bit I hand over, but uh, not everything. And I love this idea about it that um, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else. And when I was in that state of desperation, um, then I'm willing, right? Then I'm not agnostic anymore. And I am, uh, I throw up my hands and, and in, 
you know, being believing in the 12 steps, say, oh, yeah, okay, now, God, you got to come in here and help me. And what I'm learning to do is to not wait until that self-imposed crisis occurs. What I'm trying to do is get up and say, okay, the day is yours, God. Instead of you following me and trying to clean up my wreckage, I'll follow you. And it's not easy. It takes living in steps 10, 11, and 12. Because I'm conditioned to do that. I learned it at a very early age. I better rely on myself or I've got nothing to rely on. Because I had no conception of anything else. I wasn't taught anything else. And, and I relied on that. And then um, until it didn't work. And so, and I could do that. I could continue to do that. But with my addiction, I'll eat. I'll eat. I'll start looking for another solution. Whatever is in front of me whatever is, and it'll be destructive. So I, I am learning to not be agnostic. That is steps 10, 11, and 12. I am learning to not be agnostic in every area of my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Polly. It is now time to close our meeting. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Stephanie L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Star Hi, this is Stephanie. You. Thank you, Julie. This is Stephanie L., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Southern California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.